Welcome to the Purdue Basketball Podcast, Episode 11. I'm Elliot Bloom, joined by the voice of the Boilermakers, Larry Clisby. And Larry, uh, in this episode, we are going to take a, ba- a look back at the previous three games, which would be our uh, home win over 13th-ranked Wisconsin, uh, the road loss at Iowa, and then Illinois uh, here on Tuesday night. And we're going to be joined by a special guest. Robbie Hummel will join us from Moscow to talk about his experiences over there. Uh, before we get to Rob, let's uh, let's revisit those three games, uh, starting with the big win on Sunday here in Mackey uh, on January 8th over Wisconsin. Only time we're going to see the Badgers this year on the schedule, so I think that probably gave that game a little bit more importance. But of interest here is that many people, and, uh, and when I say many, I mean most, consider Wisconsin to be the the highest contender for the Big Ten championship this year. It was based on the fact that they return the most starters. They also have a group of players that have played deep into the NCAA tournament, and uh, that seemed to be a logical choice. However, as I have mentioned uh, mentioned this week on a radio show, um, I think Purdue and Wisconsin for Purdue really matches up good. I think Purdue's right. a bad matchup for Wisconsin. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, I think it proved out in that game. Now, would it have been a different outcome if they played in um, at uh, in Madison? In Madison, you know, perhaps. But I still think I really do say this that if it came down to us and them playing again in the tournament or anything of that nature, I like our chances. Yeah, we do match up well with them. The, the crowd in Mackey on that day was uh, fantastic. It was T-shirt day, uh, the annual game where uh, everybody in attendance gets a T-shirt. And combine that to the fact that it was on CBS, it was just one of those really, really good atmospheres in Mackey, and, and the team played well. Ryan Klein, in particular, in the second half got, got going, and then Biggie was kind of his normal self, which we've kind of started to take for granted. Sure. And uh, we, we, you, you got to stop yourself from doing that because uh, I think that's part of the, the thrill is being able to know what you've got. And he's putting together an, just an incredible season, um, one that has him – uh, among the, the, the handful of names mentioned for National Player of the Year honors, and rightfully so. The other thing, too, about that game that Coach Painter pointed out uh, was it was Purdue's best defensive effort of the year. They did a great job, especially of negating uh, Koenig on the point and uh, really neutralized Hap. Uh, Hap really had trouble with Isaac. So when it was all said and done, that was that was just a really good win. Then we followed that up with the game at Iowa, remembering that Purdue just 15 days earlier had blown out the Hawkeyes at Mackey Arena. So the assumption is you're going to go there and win. Purdue was only about a seven-point favorite, had a nine-point halftime lead, didn't play well really to get a nine-point lead, but had it, and then basically led the entire second half until late. And then Elliott went it came down to crunch time it was it was two minutes and 45 seconds of just deep frustration yeah missed free throws had had a lot of good chances at the rim had wide open threes and one of those situations were for a two-minute stretch there just couldn't get anything to go offensively and got arguably the best outing of the year out of Iowa um coach McCaffrey made the comment to Matt after the game he said boy I don't know if we can play much better than that and I know and he said, I know you don't want to hear this, um, 
but you know they they played a really really good game and one of those things too when you beat a team badly a couple weeks earlier that's fresh on their minds too well and that you know if you play them in the first week and then play them in the last week it's not as much right because you have so much in between there to take up your mind but boy when it's only a couple of weeks especially in the case of Peter Jock because Dakota did a great job on him Jock had 13 at Purdue and that was a real quiet 13. Nine of those came early in the second half during one run. So he was basically a no-show. And uh, Taylor Cook was coming off an injury. Uh, they do start for a freshman. But, um, but Jock was just really zeroed in. He had 29 points. And, and like you said, Iowa plays extremely well. And yet Purdue had every chance in the last two minutes and 45 seconds. You said opportunities correct but we weren't able to uh, take advantage of any of them we right. went over right. right in the two minutes and 45 seconds so it was a it was a painful loss painful loss had the weekend off came back had illinois here on tuesday january 17th and from the tip uh, the boilermakers handled business here at home in our only uh, meeting of the year against the illini and in a game that we ended up winning 91 68 uh, got contributions from a lot of people uh, Isaac and, and Biggie had their way underneath, and uh, some guys shot the ball well, particularly in the first half again, uh, as we got back back to it here in Mackey in that game. Well, what surprised me, I was worried about Illinois because of Malcolm Hill. He's a, he's a big-time scorer. He's a volume shooter. I understand that, but he's a guy that can bother you in that high ball screen stuff. And, um, and I was a little worried about Thorne Jr. playing, a six-year guy, because he weighed 280 pounds, and I thought might be able to do some damage inside. What surprised me the most was that Purdue had its way offensively, just buried them inside. Uh, Isaac was great, so was Big. And, you know, Vince played well, too, so I think those guys combined for 57 points. So they were unstoppable, and we were 7-15 to shooting the three, so they were in trouble. And... Uh, so that was really good to see. We will not play Illinois again. Yeah, that's a and that's a team that uh, <laughs> Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Ohio State, and Minnesota. So all the teams that we have played um, through our first uh, handful of games here are now all in our rearview mirror as we start this next stretch of Big Ten games. They'll all be opponents that we some of them we have twice, as as is the case with uh, Penn State and Michigan State. Our next two games, and then we go to Nebraska, and that'll be the only time we see the Cornhuskers. So a little quirk in the schedule there. Uh, we were very fortunate to be joined by Robbie Hummel. Uh, we taped the that portion of the podcast. Um, obviously, Rob is overseas right now playing professionally in Moscow. Um, and through the wonders of technology, we we're able to catch up with him. So uh, we are going to uh, sit back and, and let you listen to our interview with Robbie Hummel coming up now. Okay, joining us now on the Purdue Basketball Podcast, we're pleased to have uh, Robbie Hummel on the line. He's joining us from Moscow, where he's playing uh, professional basketball. Rob, uh, welcome to the podcast. No, thanks for having me. It's an, uh, it's an honor to be a guest here with uh, you and Cliz's new show. Well, we've had a lot of fun doing it, and uh, very uh, fortunate to get you on the phone. So tell us now a little bit about your season. You're playing professionally in Moscow. Uh, tell us a little about First of all, the, you know how your season's gone, how you're playing, but then uh, a little bit too about just living in in that city. Sure. Yeah. No. Uh, it's been an interesting experience so far. I, you 
you think of Russia and Moscow, and I think you kind of get an idea from movies of what you think it's going to be. And I've been actually very surprised uh, at just how, I guess, Americanized the city actually is. You know, around my house in like a two-block radius, there's two Subways, a Papa John's, a Pizza Hut, McDonald's, um, and there's a TJ Hooters. Uh, like, they've got a lot of American, and you would never think that, especially wow. with the news that's been, um, I guess, the last year or so with Russia and United States and the way that our, I guess, relationship is with them. But it's been surprising. Um, it's re- it's pretty cold. You know, the latitude is the same as Alaska. So you have some days where I looked at my Weather Channel app and it said that it was negative 22 with a wind chill feeling like negative like 48. And the only weather it said was there was ice crystals, like not sunny, not snowing. <laughs> so I don't even know what that means. Like, but when you went outside and would try to breathe, it it like stung your, your lungs to breathe the air in. So um, it does get cold, but usually it's about what it is in Chicago um, or Minneapolis. That's a pretty similar uh, comparison weather-wise, minus those uh, I guess unusually cold days. Um, but our team plays in, in the Euro cup, which is like the second best, um, European league, Euro league, the top league. And they were in it last year, but they condensed the league. Um, and they, this team dropped down. And then we also play in the VTB, which is the, the league with the Russian teams. And they also have a team in Estonia, I think Latvia and Kazakhstan. So I've played well and I've shot the ball really well. We've got a, a really talented team. Um, Alexi Shved, who I played with in, in Minnesota, is our you know, point guard, and Markel Brown from Oklahoma State. I think he played against Purdue actually in the uh, Disney World tournament that we were in a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Jacob Poland from Kansas State, um, and then uh, Earl Rowland, who played at St. Mary's. Uh, so we have a good group of guys. It's uh, it's been it's been good. Let me ask you about how you're perceived just walking down the street does everybody in in moscow look at you and say there's an american i think with me maybe not so much with uh i would say with the the black guys on our team definitely because there's just not very many black people in uh moscow or russia you know i i don't really know if i've seen any black people except for the guys on our team so they they certainly stand out i guess more um, but in terms of the people, I haven't really had anyone say a negative thing about the United States, um, or, or mention anything to me about being American. And, and really people have been very nice about trying to speak English. A lot of people don't, um, but they don't, you know, some countries, I guess, kind of look down on you if you don't even try cause, to speak their language. And here it's hard because the alphabet's completely different. Um, but you know, in the experiences I've had, uh, dealing with the Russian people that have been very nice. And I didn't mention this, but over here, they don't give us cars to drive. They just give us a driver. So I have a Russian driver wow. who's 27. Uh, he street races cars in the summertime. <laughs> and sometimes he'll drive me to practice like, like we're in the you know, Daytona 500. Um, but he, he speaks no English. And we we really speak through a translating app on my cell phone and his cell phone. Wow! So it's like some of the stuff happens over here though is just like bizarre. <laughs> like it's just, nothing is really easy um, because of the language barrier, but it's just something you kind of got to get used to. 
Well, I know in talking to uh, some of our former players who have played overseas, I know the typical routine, you know, you're at practice. I don't know your schedule. Typically, you're playing once or twice a week. Uh, there is a right. lot of downtime. So what what does Rob Hummel do in, in Moscow on his during his downtime? You know, the thing is, it's so it's, it's cold. And it would be cold if I was in Chicago or West Lafayette, too. So it's not like that's anything new to me. But you really don't go outside a ton. Uh, this, there's an indoor golf simulating uh, or simulator place where you can go and they give lessons. And I just found out that they have an English-speaking golf pro. So I'm probably going to be there two or three times a week <laughs> from a... Uh, Starting this season, I know that to uh, to go over there and play. But you know, I I've watched a ton of TV, like TV shows. You, you can watch all that, whether it's Netflix, Hulu, HBO Go, all that stuff. You can get it to work over here if you know. I guess kind of the tricks of getting around some of the um, licensing deals. So I've watched a ton of TV, and that that just it just gets old, you know. So I'm I'm to the point where I need to find something to do, and luckily I think I found it. <laughs> So you're saying that when you're walking around, say let's say you're going to Jimmy John's or something like that, there's not two Russian security officers following you 15 feet from behind you. No, it's not. It's not like Rocky IV where he lands at the airport. <laughs> and like the, uh, it hasn't been like that. Um, I will say though, in terms of the the city of Moscow, there is police and military everywhere. You know, they, I think they talk about, my dad came over Christmas, and we he mentioned this too. Um, they talk about how Russia has such a low employment rate, but I think it's because, like, every grocery store or other type of store or landmark has, like, four security guards just chilling. <laughs> so I think, I think everybody's <laughs> So the police unions over there are full. They, they've got full membership. Um, they, they have no shortage. <laughs> you talked about some of the Americans that are on your team. Uh, do you guys ever discuss your alma maters, uh, how they're doing, maybe if anybody ever goes head-to-head? And then also, too, the other teams that you play throughout your season. I'm sure you see several Americans over on those teams, too. Do you, is that kind of a moment sure. you guys can connect and talk about, you know, back things going on back here in the States? No doubt. Um, you know, I guess the guy that I talk about on our team the most is, is Jacob Poland because we I've known high school um, with like the Nike All America camp and AU. He played for a Nike team. He played for the Illinois Warriors. So we talk about um, our college teams. Uh, it's always been kind of a general rule with the teams that I've played on that if your teams do play each other, it's like an automatic bet of some sort, whether that's <laughs> dinner or fifty bucks or whatever. But that's kind of the general rule of thumb. Now, I, I haven't had, you know, Purdue hasn't played anybody on um, or any team that any of the guys on my, on my team this year uh, played for. But just this last game, so I was in Germany this morning. We played last night, and we played a team uh, with Raymar Morgan, Deshaun Butler, uh, Taylor Braun, who played at North Dakota State, and uh, a few other Americans. So, I actually, um, after the game, met up with Deshaun, went went back to his house and hung out with a couple of their guys, and we talked a ton about West Virginia and Purdue, and Deshaun is a, a good friend of mine because of the USA basketball stuff. He was uh, mine and Evan Turner's roommate, so I've known him for a long time, but it's funny to, to look back, and we give each other you know, a hard time about the games, and uh, with him, 
obviously we have bragging rights because we beat their ass with Mackey on January 1st. So <laughs> um, whatever like that, it's, it's fun. But when you when you see somebody that maybe got you a couple of times, it's not, not the same. The one thing that we hear about overseas basketball, and it doesn't matter, I guess, the country, but the first thing that everybody tells me is, is ask the player if they're getting paid and if they're getting paid on yep. time and whether they're getting paid on time. Mm-hmm. Are you? <laughs> Funny you ask, actually. Um, oh, boy. So far, it's been, so far, or I guess my first two months, it was good. This month, the 15th was supposed to be the magic day, and we're now at the 19th. So I'm starting to get a little, uh, the American guys I know, and probably the Russians too, I didn't really ask them because a lot of them don't speak a ton of English, but it's a little unnerving when that starts to happen. So we will see. Um, hopefully this week that uh, paycheck comes. <laughs> well, uh, Larry has a has a just a knack for going into those uncomfortable areas, Rob. So he's he's done it yet again. He's he's gone into, <laughs> into a sore subject spot for you. Yes, you have to go in there with <laughs> the old <laughs> screwdriver. So this this is no surprise to me. In fact, actually, I'm glad to be talking to Cliz because when I saw him last in Mackey. He was walking away from me and goes, well, Rob, if I ever see you again, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) That's so, that's so so close. Four more months over here. Hopefully I'll make it home. (laughs) Let me ask you this. You've played, uh, talk a little about the other places you've played overseas. And then, you know, where does Moscow rank kind of in comparison to those other places? Right. Um, You know, Spain, I think, was the best league that I've played in overseas where top to bottom, it was probably the, the best coached. And it was also a league where you could lose to a team at the bottom of the standings. If you didn't come prepared to play, um, Italy and Russia, I would say the leagues, um, have really good teams at the top, but then as you get to the bottom, the depth is not there. So I, when we play some of these teams, um, at the bottom of the standings, and our, our team is, is probably the second best team in Russia. Um, I think in terms of budget and just our overall talent level. But when we play some of these smaller teams, we, we would really have to implode to lose. So um, I think that that kind of changes the complexity. Of, um, in Italy, we had really good fan support. We played in a ring that probably sat 13 or 14,000, and we got probably 11 or 12 on a, a game-to-game basis. Uh, Spain, I played in an arena where it was probably 10,000 and we sell out some games, but usually it was pretty full. Here, the gym probably seats like 2,000, maybe. Like my high school gym is bigger than this gym. And I bet some of our crowds have not been bigger than 1,000. Hmm. So it's been, it's been interesting. You know, it, you really got to find something to get you ready to play because, and, and we talk about this with Americans all the time. And just five or six years ago, you were looking at going into games where you were saying, wow, I'm playing on CBS. There's a packed house, whether it's on the road or at home, and the adrenaline going through you is so high. Like the feeling of winning or losing those games. Winning is euphoric and losing is catastrophic. And now you're like, well, I'm getting paid to do this, but... (laughs) <laughs> when we win and lose, those feelings aren't replicated. Like and it's not. It, it, I kind of compare it, I guess, to hearing those 
those musicians talk about, you know, why do you play into your 70s? And it's because they can get that feeling. Mm-hmm. But it's not something that you can just replicate. It's something that you have to, it's a natural, real feeling. So that's been that's been a tough thing for me. It's uh, you're definitely not on Sports Center when you win, <laughs> like, and that, and it's just you get used to that. You, well, you you really do not understand how cool you have it when you play uh, college basketball at I'm, a high level. I'm glad you brought that up because we just came off a, you know, a couple of games where we won in Columbus, and you know how difficult that is, and we won by one point in a one-possession right. game, and we were incredibly euphoric. And then after blasting right. Iowa at home and then going on the road and not being able to to execute down the stretch, and, you know, we had many, many opportunities, another one-possession game, we lose. And just as you said, then that feeling, anybody around the team, by the way, you don't even have to play. I've always felt the same way. You're just devastated. And, and that's exactly right. what you're talking about. And I think any of us who've been associated with the game at all, those are the feelings that bring us back. Those are the feelings that we all just love to have, either good or bad, right. and, that, and that camaraderie. And, and that's, that's one of the great things about sports. So you make a very good point. If you don't have that, then, then, you, have to, then you have to start thinking, well, Am I playing for the love of the game? Am I playing for the cash? And I'm 8,000 miles away from home. What the heck am I doing? No doubt. And it's a difficult kind of, I guess, happy medium you find because money obviously doesn't bring it. I mean, it's it's a great thing to have, and it's a lot easier to do things when you have it, but is it worth being – across the world where right now it's, you know, 9 p.m. You guys are about to go to lunch and I'm getting ready to go to bed. (laughs) So you deal with some things over here where people are always saying, oh, you play overseas, you get to see the world. And in part, that's true. You know, I've gotten to go to a lot of really cool places because I've played professional basketball. But with that being said, you make major sacrifices on things that maybe you don't even think are, you would never even think about. You know, when I was in Spain and Italy, not so much this year because I went to training camp with Denver, but... I had to leave like August 15th. So when all my my friends are going to, whether it's a Purdue football game or they're going to Chicago for the weekend or whatever, and you're getting pictures and you're seeing, you know, <laughs> the plans laid out, it sucks. Like, it is hard. Or, or weddings. You know, I had one of my really good friends get married while I was in Spain um, and in Italy. You miss birthdays. Um, you know, it's it's tough. That's a down, but downside of social media. No doubt, no doubt. You kind of get the uh, short end of the stick there. But you're playing the sport for money. So at the end of the day, you have to also count your blessings too. Let me ask you, how many guys uh, – I know I know you keep in touch with the staff. I know, um, you, know you and I text quite a bit. Um, how many How right. many of the guys you played with here are you you know still talking to? I, I, I know you guys were a close group, so I always assume it's, it's a high number. But a lot of guys that um, came through here with you are, are still playing, a lot of them overseas as well. Right. You know, I, I want to say in the last year, I've probably, probably talked to every guy that we played with at Purdue. I I can't, if I really thought about it, maybe that's not the case, but it's an incredibly high number. Um, and you know, I think if you look at those core group teams, we had, um, Etuan, Juwan, Kramer, Keaton, 
Um, you know, I've talked to all those guys probably in the last two weeks. And a lot of them, like you said, are over here, so we have a lot to talk about and mm-hmm. a lot of things are in common, whether it's our coaches doing something that we think is crazy or <laughs> not getting paid on time or, or whatever it might be. But, you know, I, I look back on that and just the amount of people I get to talk about, whether it's those guys or maybe the lesser-known guys, walk-ons, guys that didn't like guys that did play, um, you look back on those teams, and I think I appreciate it more now because as a pro, it's so much less personal. You know, guys have families, guys have wives, girlfriends. Um, you know, they have people depending on them. So you're not really with each other all the time. In college, you are because you're living in the dorms together, you're living in your apartments together. Um, but we had a really, really, really cool group of guys that, that got along well on the court, off the court, like to do things together. And I think you could tell that when you would start teams play. You know, it, it looked like, you know, those guys really enjoy playing together and for their school. So, um, you know, probably everybody from my freshman year, you know, Terrence Crump, we still keep in touch, to, um, you know, my last year. Uh, you, you talk to guys that you played with that are um, freshmen when you were a, or when I was a fifth-year senior. So I feel incredibly fortunate to, to have the relationship, whether that's with the coaching staff, um, because I know I've talked to a lot of guys I've played with and against where they're like, man, my college coach was an asshole. And I'm like, well, I, you know, I lived with my college coach for, <laughs> for three months last year. <laughs> so yeah, you feel, you feel fortunate about the people you got to be around, um, especially in that important, I guess, phase of your life when you're really trying to figure things out. Well, we've always said this, and I know you guys, I tell it to you guys all the time, but we always use the term Purdue basketball family. And I think a lot of programs around the country – uh, use that or claim that and I really think there's only a couple that can actually you know kind of walk the walk uh, and and still talk the talk I mean and part of that is the fact that over the last you know 40 years we've had uh, basically or roughly 40 years we've had two coaches and of course coach Painter uh, played for coach Katie so it's all kind of been a family affair but the you guys were a, a very close group and i think overall our alums are all pretty close compared to most places and the fact that we've had that coaching right. continuity i think helps that but i think your guys's team reminds me a lot of our current team we got a group of guys that uh, they like to hang around each other off the court good guys uh play for the you know the school on on their jersey so there's a lot of similarities there with the time difference and everything do you get a chance to catch many of our games this season you know, this year has been more difficult because the time changes so much more. It's eight hours different to uh, Eastern time. Mm-hmm. So when you're in, like when I was in Germany, it's only six. So it's more doable. So when you guys tip off at um, it nine o'clock starts, it's like it's like four in the morning. So that's one of those where I I I do have like a access to a synergy account. Mm-hmm. So I'll go back and I'll watch the game clips, which is a great way to watch it because you get through it fast, but. Um, I've been able to do that with the games I've missed, and then I'll like this. I think you guys play who Penn State on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, that's a and noon, it's an early game. Yeah, so noon I think tips. Get, you can catch that right. One. So, so I can watch that one, but it seems like a lot of the the marquee games are normally nine nine o'clock starts, which kind of sucks for me over here. I'm kind of surprised that uh, you have so much access to everything. I just think that we hear so much about Russia in a negative way. That I would think that right. I mean, all we hear about is the, the Trump and Putin dynamic, and it's constant. Right, right. And we don't really uh, we don't really hear about everyday people and how things are perceived. I would imagine that 
getting, I mean, how do you get like American news that's not, you know, as tainted? Yeah, I mean, slanted. You, you can get that <laughs> access to your phone, okay? Yeah, I mean, with the internet, you can get whatever you want. Um, they don't block a ton of websites over here, so I can go to CNN or huh. Yahoo or um, any of those websites. And if I couldn't, I have a, you can download something called a VPN. It's legal, <laughs> but it also fools your computer into thinking you're in the United States. So um, that's how I can watch like Netflix or Hulu or HBO. Um, I, I don't think those companies particularly like it, but it's not illegal to do. It's amazing when you're forced to do that, how, how, uh, how technologically savvy you get when, you, when that's your only choice, right? No, if you're not, you can't watch anything. So it's funny. I, I moved into this apartment. It's a, it's a nice apartment. It's like kind of in between the city we play in and Moscow. So I'm six or seven miles from Moscow, six or seven miles to the city called Kimki, which is like a suburb. And I moved in. The apartment's nice. I looked at the TV. It's like a flat screen. Well, it turns out this flat screen must be like the first ever LG flat screen they made because it doesn't have, it doesn't have an HDMI input. So I can't like hook anything into it. And I've, this is pathetic of me, but I've gone back and forth for the last like month on whether I should just buy a TV, but I can't bring myself to do it. Cause I'm like, I'm leaving here in four months. Why am I going to buy a flat screen TV just to leave it here? So I've, I haven't wow. actually watched anything on TV. I my laptop, which is it's pathetic. Like it's it's stupid. But well, that that I've like dug and and I'm not. I'm just not going to do it. But that mentality is why you're going to have money when you retire. So <laughs> so that so that's not a bad thing. Right. Right. Yeah, you're not going to be you're not going to be a poor sportscaster. That's what you're not going to be. Just you're, trying to be like I'm trying to be like you, Cliff. Yeah. Well, I'm proud of you because that's kind of a. I mean that. You know, most people would, I'm not saying that you're not like most people, but I'm just saying most people would go, hey, I'm buying a TV. I don't care what, because I want to see it like today. But he's using this head. Right. Which you always have done. No, it just just is something where it's like I'm buying this just to leave it here in three three months. So why, why do that? But... I don't know. I probably should have just bought it a month ago, and then it wouldn't have been an issue. But <laughs> I will, I will survive with no, no flat screen TV for three or four months. So you said four months till you, till you come home. Um, what? How does the season conclude over there? I assume there's some playoffs involved. Are you automatically in those playoffs? Do you have to qualify for them? Right. How does that work? So it's kind of, it's kind of like the European soccer format, where you're playing in two leagues at the same time. So right now. We are, we've advanced to the top 16 teams in Euro Cup, and we're playing round robin in that. Um, so that this round ends in about probably, well, there's three more weeks. So we, we have three more games to play. Mm-hmm. If we advance in that, we would go to the top eight, which then you play a best of three series in the top eight, a best of three series in the top, in the final four, and a best of three series to, to try to win it all. Um, so that's going on while we play the Russian league, which is basically every Saturday and sun- or Sunday we play one game. So they're going on simultaneously, which can kind of make things confusing sometimes. Um, but you, for the VTB or the Russian league, you have to be in the top eight. The top eight teams make the playoffs, um, and then that will 
the last game of that season is April 23rd. So if we were to go to the finals, I'd probably be home June 1st. Okay. So, Rob, before we uh, wrap things up here, we're going to conclude with our final four. These are four questions that we ask all our guests here on the podcast. So the first question is, what's the best uh, or latest book that you've read? Uh, latest or best or both? Or, or both. What's a, what's, a, what's a good book that you've recently read that you would pass along or recommend to people? Uh, no, I just finished uh, Phil Knight's. Um, I don't know if it's all, I, I would assume it's an autobiography unless somebody ghostwrote it, wrote it. But uh, it's about his life and his career and how he got Nike started. It's just I think I want to say it's called Soul Man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really, really good. And I think if you're somebody that's trying to start a business, to see what he went through mm-hmm. and how he had to deal with company pan uh, or supply suppliers over in Japan and. Um, how people were trying to shut him down, how Adidas was trying to shut him down. Um, and then at the end of the book, you still see how much he hates Adidas. Um, I guess being <laughs> one who, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough when I was in the NBA to have a Nike contract. It was, it was really cool to read. Um, it would be really neat to meet that guy. And he's a, a legend of, I guess, American sports and business, but the book is really good. That's cool. Second question is, what is your what is your go to music? So, what is something that in your free time you, if it you know, it's the one thing you, what's the one either artist or genre you always come back to? That is a hard question to answer. I I'm someone that listens to like everything. I I could be listening to Jay Z or hip hop. I could be listening to country music. I could be listening to Tom Petty. I could be listening to Blink One Eighty Two. Or third eye blind, like I, I honestly can't even answer the question. It is the most random collection of old music. Like <laughs> it's, it's not even like possible for me to answer. I guess, but I do like things or music. There's some new music I like, but a lot of it is stuff that I grew up with. Whether that was in middle school, high school, college, I've I've become really partial to that stuff. You were always the most easygoing guy in the locker room when guys would play music because you kind of went with the flow. You didn't really care what was played, so. For sure, whatever they wanted to listen to was not an issue to me. Okay, so what is uh, what is a profession other than a basketball player that you would like to do if you could do anything in the world? And it, it doesn't have to be realistic here. So if you wanted to say you want to be an astronaut, that's that's perfectly acceptable. Right. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I've got my mom's got all this. This is embarrassing too, but she's got like old <laughs> homework assignments in school. Where I said I really wanted to be a weatherman, but now I kind of think that would be a lame <laughs> job to have. So I have to our, our apologies that. to all the weathermen listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'm not not exactly interested in that anymore. To be honest with you, when I'm done playing, I really would like it would be like my I guess dream to be able to rise up as a broadcaster and get to call NCAA tournament games. I think that would be phenomenal to be back in that environment. You obviously can't play in it anymore, but I've always loved the NCAA tournament and the Final Four and all that. And I think for me, that would be that would be a really cool goal to work to work towards. I guess. I think you're probably going to be a lot closer to your your other profession than most people who come on here. I think you got a real shot at that. So that's very cool. Uh, and then the final question: What is something about you? that nobody knows or very, very few people know? Um, 
Let me think about this. Is, would, it, would it be that proposal to the Russian woman just three days ago? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have not proposed to any Russians yet. Uh, good shot in the dark. Good, good shot in the dark there by Larry. Try to get some yeah, breaking news for but. sure. Um, these questions are always so hard to answer. Uh, I'm gonna go with. The fact that you wanted to be a weatherman uh, as a kid is probably one of them. Yeah, that's for, <laughs> that might be for, for sure. I'll go with when I was in kindergarten, I I got second place in this drawing contest um, in the state of Indiana. But I'm pretty sure that my mom drew, like, a lot of it. <laughs> so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure how, like, accurate that was for what place I should have gotten. But it, hang, it still hangs in my parents' basement. Um, so I'm pretty proud of that, I guess. But if it was to be like reviewed, I probably could have been, uh, like, I guess expelled from the. You might have been thrown in the in jail if you were in Russia and pulled that. You, <laughs> yeah, no I doubt. can only help think no of doubt. all the kids that finished three through ten that could have been a lot higher had Rob not had his mom help yeah, on his arm. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, maybe they would have went to art school or you know went on to to bigger and better things, but I stole the second spot from. Okay. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, I want to thank you for taking some time. I know it's, it's uh, as we record this, it's in the middle of the afternoon for us, and you, you're about ready to be going to bed here in a couple hours. But, uh, um, it's again, we're, we're sitting here in amazement that we can get you on here and plug you in. You sound like you're in the room next door. So uh, we appreciate No, no, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, so we appreciate you taking time. Uh, good luck the rest of this season, and uh, we'll sh- I'm sure we'll see you around Purdue once the season's over. Definitely. That sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks, Rob. Yep. See ya. Okay. Boy, how how good is Robbie Hummel, huh? You know, it's um, I, I can't help but think this. I was uh, in the Army in late 1960s, from 68 to 70. I was overseas in Okinawa for a year and a half. And uh, I did not talk to my parents in 18 months. Wow. Um, my girlfriend, well, not my girlfriend, I married her when I was in basic training, but my wife, I did not talk to for nine months, and she came over and joined me. Um, but that goes to show you the difference. And we're yeah. talking about 50 years here, yeah. where now servicemen can go on Skype every night, talk to their kids, yeah. their yeah. wives, their family members. I never, t- I never talked to my my family once in a year and a half. That is amazing. And uh, you know, you wrote letters, but you know, army guys don't like to sit there and write too many letters. Well, and I think that I'm I'm not sure if if it if it was still like that to what you just described. I'm not sure how many guys would be going overseas playing basketball. I don't think many would. I think that I think is- there were some pioneers back there. You know, when Frank Kendrick played back in the you know, in the ni- early 1970s, like the mid-70s, and went, ended up in Belgium, I believe. Guys like that, I mean, that was those were pioneers because, number one, they had to be, they were Americans. They had to be accepted in foreign places, which is not done as well as it is today. Right. And, uh, and again, with the social media, makes a huge, huge difference. It certainly So, does. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's quite amazing. That is incredible. Well, uh, that was fantastic. Uh, really fortunate for us for, to have Rob join the podcast. We're uh, our, our booking uh, agent, Sylvia Booker, is working round the clock 
to bring uh, the be- the best guests possible to the Purdue Basketball Podcast. So we hope Rob enjoys the gift basket that Sylvia sent his way this morning, and we're uh, we're very excited about some of the upcoming guests that she's got uh, scheduled for the podcast. So thank you, Sylvia, for getting Robbie. It was great. Such a sweetheart. Worked out really well. So hope everybody enjoyed it out there. That was episode eleven of, of the Purdue Basketball Podcast. Until next time, be curious, be informed, and be well.